It's time for some inside animation. With your host, Adam Sartain. Today's guest, Andrea M. And now, here's your host, Adam Sartain. And here we are with another episode of Inside Animation, where we get inside information about the animation industry. I, of course, am your host, Adam Sartain, and today we have with us Andrea Ems, who is the producer on a little film called Mila, which is a short film. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Mila? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm super excited. Yeah. Yeah. So Mila is a 20 minute animated short film, CG based, which means 3D, based on inspired stories by the director's mother of her experience during World War II. She's from Trento, Italy, which is where our film is based. And World War II, there's a lot of bombings. And unfortunately, in Trento, there was mass destruction there during the bombings there. So it's basically her mother's experience when she lived that during that time animated animated version yeah yeah. so it's loosely translated from the stories from her mother the director's mother and other family members of things that happened during that time about this little girl who you know the biggest thing that's difficult uh, when you're going through something traumatic especially as a child is the fear and feeling frozen and feeling kind of helpless and so we we kind of touch upon that uh, through mila and how she, along with the woman who saves her, kind of go through that loss and how they can come out on the other end of it. Right. That's great. So it, it seems like this film has a bit of, let's say, an agenda, per se, a message, a purpose other than let's make money, let's entertain people. It, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's different from your normal commercial projects. Right. Um, and I like the the message versus agenda because we're not trying to be political or preachy or anything like that. But we are discussing something that's very, very heavy, you know, um, collateral damage and victims of war, especially children and those left most vulnerable. And, you know, it was very powerful to be able to tell this story, especially looking through the eyes of a child, because a lot of times when you hear about war, you just think about politics or the actual leaders involved or soldiers. But we're, we don't show soldiers. We don't show politics. We just show what's happening to the people in that town and more specifically with Mila, who's like this five-year-old little girl. And if we can remember what it's like and, and when the decisions that we make and the people that it affects like this little five-year-old girl, like you see, unfortunately, continuously relevant to this day, moments in time where these things could have been avoided or maybe we could have made different choices. You know, if that plants a seed because a child now watches this film, that would be amazing, you know? But I mean, I think another part of it too is tragedy hits us all in different ways. Not everybody goes through war. Some go through, you know, a myriad of things. We all have challenges that we face and and through really harsh adversity, there's still hope. 
there's still a chance for happiness. There's still a chance to live a beautiful life that is full of meaning and doesn't have to go down a dark path. So right. that's another part of this film that I think that we're really trying to imbue as people watch it. I mean, war, what is it good for? <laughs> Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. Say it again. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to I had to get that one off. I'm, uh, here <laughs> I'm all here for it. <laughs> so you in particular are the producer of this film, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So what ex- I know producers do a lot of things, especially on animated films. Mm-hmm. So what was your main focus? What was your what was what was the thing that took up most of your time on this film? Well, let me give you a little let me back up for just a quick. Second. Sure. So I got on this pro- project in March of 2010. So this okay. has been a 10 oh, wow. plus. Yeah, it's been a long uh, passion project. And um you know, we, we, we had no budget and we we were just completely indie and just, you know, we've we've got a dream and we're going to make it happen. Somehow we'll figure it out. Right. And so I got on early on um, when we were doing asset development, where the 3D modelers and the concept artists were, you know, figuring things out and starting to model and do a little bit of texturing. And we had a ton of what assets. the smoke is going to look like, what the fire is going to look like, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Or even just the buttons or the teddy bear or right. the buildings or the, you know every aspect of it and uh because with 3d animation you have you have these templates and stuff that you have to put in you can't just you know it's not like ink and paint where you've got back where you just draw backgrounds and you have the same background you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah everything has to be i mean i mean 2d i mean there's a lot of drawing that you have right but yeah in a 2d you can have a background cell and you can parallax it with other things in front of it but when you have a 3d space you have to 3d model the town or the little vignette of the section that the camera is going to be, you know, facing um, where, you know, uh, this part of the town where the film starts with Mila on a carousel. And so we have to build the carousel, but we have to build all the people around it. We have to build the marketplace. We have to build the whole city uh, marketplace with all the buildings and stuff or whatever it is that we want on camera. And they have to be placed in that because when you're in a 3d space, when you move the camera, you're, you know, seeing it from all the different angles. So all of that has to be built. We have to do concept, of course. So my job, especially in the beginning, was finding people. And again, like we're 100%, you know, volunteer-based when we're putting this together. So- I think, I really think that's one of the most important jobs of a producer is finding people, getting yeah. people to work on, you know. <laughs> yeah. like, well, I know this guy, you know, or, yeah. or I found this person at such and such event, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, we go a lot of events like CTN, which is the Creative Talent Network here in Los Angeles, which is a great place to find amazing artists. And it's interesting, too. Um, you know, we started small. We started with a bunch of students at the Art Institute in North Hollywood. And, and it became like an in-house internship workshop masterclass. So the director, who's been an animation veteran for like 25 plus years, she started in 2D as an animator, then moved to 3D, then was a story artist and now she's a director so she's just and a writer so she's incredible so she knows a lot of amazing people so as a thank you to the students who were you know all of us were putting all this stuff together have master classes a bunch of amazing people who have uh, from the industry do workshops or teach you know give little lessons or or kind of monitor them and see how you're doing give notes and feedback and great critique you know 
And especially trying to find people on a volunteer basis, you know, artists, well, nobody should work for free unless they make that choice, right? Especially when we're trying to value everyone's gift and talent and time and, and everything that they are, we don't want to lowball anyone or undervalue anybody. So trying to express to people, hey, we've got this amazing, beautiful project, but we can't pay. So what can we do? Chinsey and I decided like, okay, being artists ourselves and understanding that exposure doesn't pay the rent. Right. Um, <laughs> how can we give back as much as possible to kind of offset the, the big ask that we're asking of people, you know, who volunteer to come on? So very transparent, very upfront and, you know, we're happy to let you use the assets or your work with a watermark report your portfolio now. Because normally in animation, you can't use any of the work that you've done on a film or a TV show unless it's until it's already come out. And for us, God bless them, they would have waited 11 years. Right. Finally, and we're still not even officially out because we're still in the festival system. And we're waiting to hear soon if we're going to make the shortlist for the Academy. So that was a big deal, you know, giving internships and networking kind of classes or mock interviews to kind of help them if they had something. I would be happy to do that, you know, with anybody who wanted to sit with a mock interview, set up potential networking opportunities for them to get interviews. And many of our Mila family, as we call them, are now, you know, thriving in the animation as a pro now. So it's been, you know, as much as that we could do, we we absolutely wanted to do. And what's crazy about this is it started off with this group of students. I mean, there was some pre-life before I came on with Chintia when she started it. And I know when you're going to talk to her, so she'll tell you all about that. But but we eventually, through word of mouth and through some of our other overseas partners, uh, executive producers, started getting more and more people from different countries. And then eventually we're at 350 artists from 35 countries who have worked on this film. Wow. It's, it's been amazing. So, so yeah, so not only tricky to try to find people and also, you know, when you're working on a volunteer basis, I can't say, hey, Adam, great. I, you're going to do some, some modeling for me. So I need you to model. What can you do? What do you want to do? And we, we, okay, I've assigned you this. Great. When can you get it? I could be a good hand model. (laughs) Wrong kind of model. model. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you know, so instead of saying, okay, because normally another job as producers, I have to be on the schedule. I have to make the schedule, make sure everyone sticks to the schedule and drive the schedule and keep everybody, you know, the whole ship moving. And we couldn't really do that very um, harshly because everyone was volunteer. They just worked on it when they could. So you'd be like, okay, well, you know, I can probably do it, you know, in a couple of days. Okay, cool. Which translates to like 10 days or something, you know, right. or a lot of people would have to leave. So I'd have to like, okay, great. Give me your work and I'll hand it off to another person. So there was a lot of reasons why it took us so long, but you know, that's the nature of the beast. And we were just so grateful for whoever wanted to to join us. It reminds me of an old adage. You can do something quickly, well, and cheaply, but you can only choose two. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you never want to choose cheap and quick. Yeah. Yeah. You never, you never want to sacrifice well. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, that's great. So this is your first time producing? It is my first time producing. Yeah. Although you can say you've been producing for 10 years now. so <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, I actually, my background is acting and performing, right. which I've done for, you know, about 25 years. Done a lot of musical theater and a little bit of film and TV, but mostly stage, singing, and voiceover now. Great. But, yeah. 
So for this next segment, I like to go back in time. This time it's going to be about 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what got you inspired? What made you want to be a producer in general and on this project in in particular as well? Totally. At the time for me, I was actually at a crossroads because my life had kind of changed. I had a drastic situation happen to me physically, so I could no longer perform anymore, dance and sing and that kind of stuff due to a, you know, neurological pain disorder. And so I was reshifting my life and I'm like, okay, well, a lot of my situation is actually kind of why this movie sings to me in a different way, because I was literally going through a massive hardship and tragedy personally, albeit different than what Mila went through. And I wanted to figure out, okay, well, what am I going to do next? Where am I going to put my energy and what do I want to do? And I went back to school, actually, to go to be a game designer, which I was for a small time, which was awesome. But I um, was game art and design, so half of my classes were animation and then game design. I'm a meh artist, but Mm -hmm. I love animation. (laughs) You know, I have for my whole life. So to be able to still be a part of animation and what that world brings and the kind of storytelling you can do without actually being part of the creative is still really inspiring for me because it's still as producer you have your hands on so many things and so I could still have a very meaningful contribution to storytelling while partnering up with someone like Cinzia Angelini who's an incredible storyteller an incredible animator and director and all the things that she brings to it so for me I just thought this is my 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 moment you know, it wasn't about trying to get money for me. Like, why did I volunteer my time? Because right. I didn't get paid either, <laughs> you know, um, nor did nobody did. So I wanted to do something on my own time that I believed in, that I thought meant something to me, you know, and hopefully could, you know, thinking about the long game. I mean, if all things went well, uh, obviously I've learned so much. I feel like I've got a master's degree um, <laughs> from how we put all of this together and the different ways that we've had to think outside of the box, which I think has helped me tenfold in just life in general over the 10 years, but also hopefully could translate to other production jobs or other situations that might come my way, you know? Um, So for me, it was about giving myself a purpose and a distraction from the harsh stuff that was going on and something to look forward to, you know? Uh, And then it just turned into this, one of the best things I've ever done in my entire life. (laughs) So Wonderful. Yeah. You mentioned that you had a lot of times where you had to think outside the box. Can you uh, elaborate on one of those times? Sure. (laughs) Well, for us, since we were the first remote production ever, I think we invented it. Is that I'm going to just, I'm going to claim it. There you go. (laughs) We've been doing remote since we, way before we were forced to. (laughs) Before it was cool. (laughs) She says in air quotes, cool Uh, yeah so so we had to figure all that out and how are we going to communicate and how are we going to you know normally when you're in a studio you know everyone's in the same area and so you have a pipeline meaning your whole process from beginning to end from concept to you know modeling and texturing and then all the different departments that go and and everyone feeds into the same thing usually on the same computers on the same licenses you're all in the same place Well, we didn't have that because we were literally all over the world. So we had to figure out how is the best way, not only are we going to communicate, but how are we going to figure out this nebulous pipeline that we're trying to create? 
So we had to go through many different iterations. And also as technology changed, because again, 2010, very different than to where things are now. Even, you know, using Maya, which was the software that we used to to animate the film and to do the 3D modeling and, and that kind of thing within that Autodesk software. After a time, they had so many upgrades that so much of our licenses were defunct and no longer. So we had to like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know, and, and so at that point too, one of those things that was really, really amazing is by... Chinsia being the magnet that she is of just she just pulls people in she's just the most amazing person and 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 being able to take opportunities where we're like okay would you like to be a sponsor can we can we knock on your door and say could you maybe could we talk about possibly helping us out with this license issue we're having and you know you'd be surprised about you know depending on how you ask but if you ask you might get a yes hmm. and so we got some pretty amazing yeses and that led to helping us figure out how we were going to solve, you know, technology issues. And a lot of that, sometimes it was just time. We had to wait. <laughs> and then then just the right moments would happen where we're like, okay. Like, for instance, so we used to use Mental Ray, which is a part of Maya, especially back then in 2012 version, which is not the not possible to, to render at a high quality nowadays. And it, it was really gumming up the works, if you will, for a lot of people with their home computers you know, who doesn't have this massive rendering farm right. that the big studios do. So our, our servicing supervisor, the texture supervisor, he realized, because he's very technical and really up on a lot of things that's happening coming up, so he discovered Arnold, which is this amazing software. And so we ended up talking to those people. So you might say you pumped up your software to Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. What a great SNL throwback. Oh, oh thank you. Oh my God, Hans and Franz. Hans and Franz. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I like to I like to throw in voices every now and then. I love it. That's a great great callback. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, so because you know we were trying to okay, well, well, let me just ask. So Caesar, our texture supervisor, he went and spoke to the people at Arnold, and they gave us licenses. So it took us like eight months to change out all of the shaders of every single asset. We're normally in a studio, it might take a week, but because we're volunteers. But that really was the pivotal turn for us because he was like, you know what, let me just ask. And then that's just kind of how we just kept, you know, figuring things out. But it would have taken like years, a few years longer just to render everything, you know, on the smaller, or it wouldn't have even it rendered. Have been possible. It yeah. It would have been possible. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been that, that roadblock. So you got around yeah. it. It took eight months to get around it, but you got around it. But you got around it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's so great. things like that. I mean, that's just one of many examples. Great. So what was your favorite animated movie? If you have one favorite, if not, then give me your top two or three. <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Okay. I have a bajillion. Okay. An, an, an animation fanatic, but I love The Little Mermaid. Okay. So much. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, you know, every little girl's dream is to be a princess, right? Well, not every girl, but many. Um, Mine was to be Sebastian, but, you know. Hey, <laughs> of course, Ariel. Yeah, well, you know what's cool about that? So, yeah, so I love that movie and, and, and the, the humor and, and just also just so well. I mean, back when I was little, I mean, I'm not right. really paying attention to the, the cleverness of the dialogue or that kind of a thing, but I'm just enjoying the pure entertainment. But also, too, like, for me, it was kind of special because, like, years later, 
in uh, the mid nineties, I worked at Walt Disney World and I got to sing as Ariel in the Little Mermaid show. In oh, uh, so you worked for the mouse. I <laughs> sure did. Oh boy. <laughs> I did. That's a, that's a pretty good. Thanks. So yeah, so, so, so that was kind of a dream come true. But yeah. the Little Mermaid is probably like one of my all time favorites. But again, there's a bajillion to choose from, but I don't know if you saw Klaus. Yes. Yes, that was a more recent one. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I just, everything about that is just so brilliant. And also, uh, it has to be a staple watching a film like A Christmas Story and then Klaus. It's a, Sant- it's a Santa movie without being about Santa. Yeah. Exactly. It's brilliant. And it's Santa-esque, but it's Santa-esque. not, yeah. Yeah, but it's just beautifully done, beautifully yeah. written, really smart ideas, thinking about, I never even thought about Santa's origin story, you know? Yeah. There's I a few really out there. It. I, I yeah, happen to but, study it myself, but. Uh, yeah, so so right now that's. I, Wait, I, I will say it's way better than Christmas Chronicles. <laughs> uh, I, I would agree. As far as Santa origin stories go. Yeah, yes. no, this is, this is, yeah, it was beautiful. Great yeah. characters. I mean, I could just go on for days. Yeah, very, very, it, yeah, I very thoroughly enjoyed that film. Mm. Stunning yeah. film, stunning. Great. are starting to run out of time but before we go a couple questions Mm -hmm. first what advice would you give to someone who wants to be a producer on a on a film with a message sure well I think actually regardless if it's a film with a message or not right to be a producer you have to be extremely organized and so I would bring your A game of organization if you're going to, to do that. So find all the tools that you can. Like I use, you know, Google Docs a lot, Google Spreadsheets, which is great. Learn Excel, <laughs> really get good. This seems like so boring, but like figuring out how to best like do your folder organization for the computer, because you'll never be, you'll be, you'll be shocked. Like a year later, you're like, oh yeah, where's this? Oh crap I didn't even think where the heck is that (laughs) so so think about all that stuff in the beginning you know and then just you know find someone like the director that you're working with or or I like to surround myself with people who are smarter than me right because then I just I I know exactly that uh, I'm gonna one learn from them and two it's going to be a strong project and then I can hopefully bring what I can basically I'm a big fan of transparency being very open and honest with love and sharing that with your team, like, you know, Chinsia and I, she's like, you know, we're attached at the hip. We're constantly talking. And so you want to work with people you care about and you enjoy being with and a story that you believe in. You know, if it's really going to, especially if you can do something that is on a volunteer basis, like what I did, really want to do it, believe in it, you know, and keep believing in it, even when the times are tough, because you as a producer, you have to be the cheerleader to keep things going. No, no, we got this, you know. And we can move this forward or, or, yep, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And so you need to be able to, sometimes you're a therapist, you know, like, <laughs> no, 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 we got this. And just be really understanding about figuring out the best ways to communicate because you want to be professional, right. you know, but also realizing that you also have to be creative because I'm working with people all over the world. So different cultures, different languages. 
I mean, that's that's a super, super short version. But I think even as a producer, even I mean, it's still it's the left brain side of things, right? It's not the the creative aspect, but it's still I've had a blast doing this with everybody because I'm a people person. And so if you can connect with people, I think you can be a good producer. At least that has the makings of a good producer. That's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And one last thing is go ahead and let our listeners know where they can see Mila, what festivals have it on. I know it already won an award at the Los Angeles Animation Festival, which it is did. where we met. Yes, yes. That was very exciting. And it's also super exciting for that one because we won the Humanitarian Award. So being the film that kind of film that we are, that meant like so much. Yeah, so that was super exciting. Yeah, so right now, Mila is still in the film festival circuit, which means we can't broadcast it publicly uh, at the moment. And we're also tomorrow, what is today, Tuesday? Uh, I don't know where it will be by the time everybody sees this. Right. Right now, as far as this, we're in consideration for uh, the shortlist for the Academy Award. So by the time you see this, we'll either have ended our time being in consideration. So grateful to even just have gotten that far. Or, oh my gosh, we're, we're on the short list. So either way. <laughs> yeah, it could be a nominee for, for the Academy Awards. Who knows? So. You know, um, so either way, it's all gravy though, right? So, so we're, we're going through that kind of a situation. And we are hoping to figure out some distribution stuff for 2022. So keep Great. your eye out on our social media. Uh, pretty much everything is at Mila Film. Uh, Mila, and- M-I-L-A Film. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And once thank again, me. yes, this has been another episode of Inside Animation.